As I mentioned before, we're talking about hope. We're talking about how Christ has come and gives us hope. And, and it comes to when we're thinking about when we need hope the most. It comes in that 11th hour when we think all hope is lost. We think we're not going to make it. And yet Christ gives us that assurance that it's done. It is finished. It is going to happen. And that is just a powerful, powerful characteristic of God. Because it's more than feeling, isn't it? It's more. It's a, it's a characteristic. And when you can cling on to God like he clings on to his own word, which is like eternal, right? Then we can have something very special that develops into faith. Because um, it's the hope of the unseen. Do we see the solution? We have an idea what the solution should look like, but we don't see the solution. We haven't felt the solution. We haven't seen it come into fruition. And Lord, we need that now. And I don't know if I can hang on. But hope is that little light that we can kind of see the door cracking open just a little bit. Can I get through that? Can I make it through And if we can hang on to that glorious hope, we can make it through some amazing things. So when it's revealed to us that we are sinners doomed for the grave, we hopefully want to deal with our depravity, right? We want to, how can I make this right? Well, the answer is not me. I can't make it right. You can't make your own sins right. God knew this when sin entered the world. That's why he warned us, don't be like God. Don't experience this. Because if you do, you're going to be in trouble. There's going to be only one way back, and you're not going to like it. And it's going to be in the, in the mode of surrender. How many people like the surrender? I mean, I'm like, ha, 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 just fix my hair. <laughs> right? I don't like the surrender. I don't like to surrender to God. I'm your pastor, and I don't like to surrender to God. But I've learned that that's the way to go. I have trained myself that he has to be first. He has to be greater, and I must become less. So when we can experience that hope of salvation, and we see life with God, we understand that relationship comes, that God's promises are presented to us, and that is our main theme kind of in in the long version this morning. Okay? So the hopeless nature of sin, the hopeless nature of sin. Why is it a hopeless nature of sin? Because we want to do it on our own. But when we discover that it's not going to be possible to get to heaven on our own, there comes a dilemma. So ever since sin has entered into the world through Adam and Eve, there's been a desire to get right with God. Sometimes... I guess like in Cain's case, it would be a, a desire to be like God, right? And those two are waging war in our spirit. We have our, our sin nature and we have our, our physical heavenly nature, uh, godly nature that comes from the Holy Spirit. And they are waging war, battling for our mind and our heart and our soul ultimately and there's 
And God promised man that he would provide a way back to him. And throughout the whole Old Testament, we see man turning away from God and God providing the way. Here you can have a sacrificial plan. Here you can have a specific people that will set the example. And the example they did set, it wasn't always good, was it? Matter of fact, they became more wicked than than the countries that were destroyed for them to go into. And that's just blows my mind. They had God. I mean, they've seen God on top of a mountain. There's thunder rolling. There's clouds. There's lightning falling down. And that's not like you don't see that in Israel. We don't see big thunderstorms in Israel, okay? So to have this awesome... Thing happening on top of this with earthquakes and things, what do they understand about God really fast? That he's all-powerful. He's more power than I can handle. So can I have a personal with him? Well, that's why Moses went up there to show them. You can have a personal relationship with him. And he is holy, right? He is separate from evil, So can we stay separate from evil? And they found out the answer was no, we can't. As they went right into sin and debauchery and an orgy all all at the same time with their neighbors. And um, God came down to destroy them. And um, Moses reacts, Aaron reacts and saves the day that time. And he becomes the priest of God's people. And so as that goes through, um, are we any different? We're capable of that sin, aren't we? We're capable of running. So if we would say that's a level 10, right? We're capable of hitting a level 10 at any point in time in our life. But when we get in God's word, when we study it, when we pray and we, we nurture that relationship with him, we don't see very often that we, get, we hit that level. Um. I was noticing in my attitude this weekend, it was, it was cranking up to what I would consider a six or a seven on the bad attitude scale. And it was affecting my whole family, and um, that's not acceptable to me, and it's not acceptable to my Savior. He didn't create us like that, right? Uh, well, our sin nature, that's battling it within us, right? So as we go forth... We have a hope that he can restore us. And I've seen him restore my attitude. And I've seen him restore God's people. And I know that he can restore um, more than that. So man gets downright ugly with their sins. Eventually God provides judgment on these sins as he kicks them out of the promised land. And the judgments affect them with homelessness and in plagues. And the other nations, they rise up against them and famine, and all these are consequences of sin, right? Have you ever had a time of famine in your life where you're just not sure? Maybe it's a famine in relationship, and you're like, God, where are you? My friends have all abandoned me. I don't have anything left. And of course, if you're anything like I am, I want to pass the blame. I want to say, well, it was their fault. We wouldn't be in this situation. I wouldn't be in this situation if they would have just taken me in, if they would have just let me 
be who I am, but does God leave us in our bad attitudes? No, so he's not going to leave us in our, in our bad sin either. So as our excuses go on, at the end of the day, and when things quiet down, many times we own our own responsibility that those are our actions. I could have controlled how I responded to that situation. Because deep down we know we've fallen short of perfection, which is Romans 3.23. And, and here lies the hopelessness, because we want to be our own Savior. I can be strong enough. I can be good enough. I can do this. And that attitude is ingrained in us somewhat because we, we want to know God and we have a desire to um, be in relationship with him, but we also have that desire to be like him or be him in our life. So we see that waging war and when that desire to be, um, be him becomes more than the desire to be like him. That's when the hopelessness sets in. So we want to be our own savior, but what is God's standard for man's savior? What is God's standard for man's savior? His standard is perfection. And me having a bad attitude this weekend eliminates me from being your savior. You're like, what? Just a bad attitude? I've done way worse than that. Well, that eliminates you as well, right? So we can't be our own savior. We can't be somebody else's savior. So my question is, why is the standard perfection? Why do we need to have somebody that's perfect? Can't we just have, you know, good enough? Eh, he's good enough. He's better than I am. We'll let him be the, the standard. Okay, well, let's look into that a little bit. Jesus will be our judge at the end of the time because he met the standard. Jesus was perfection, so he will stand and judge us. And if we walk as Jesus walked, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come into uh, my house, in a sense. And if we don't, he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. So since he has met the standard, he sets the example for us to live. Think about it like this. If we were an architect, engineer, and we are building a building, and this building's going to be several hundred feet tall, we'll say, we'll say 200 feet tall, and we start going up, and we get up to the first floor, and we check plumb on that building, and it's an inch off. Well, we just keep going, right? Well, we just keep going. It's just architectural design. We meant to do that, right? But if we keep leaning in that direction, by the time you get up to 200 feet, I can do the math. That's 20 inches. Is that going to affect the integrity of your building? You better hope your seal's good. That's all I'm saying, right? Because you're, you're creating the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and by the time you... You get the wind factored in there, and things are going to, it's going to pull that one side. And if you didn't create a foundation, it is always going to fall short. And if you decided, well, hey, let's go up 200 feet more, 
and you keep leaning that way, what's going to happen? Now you're 40 inches off. That's almost four feet. You can sight that. Jim can sight the inch at the beginning, couldn't you, bud? I can't always. You should see how I stacked hay. I was, I was the great hay stacker. My first rack, I almost always had to stack twice. We'd get going along, and I'd, I'd stack a bale, and we'd stack them five high, so it's like this high. But by the time we got there, I'm leaning like this. My dad goes, look at your stack. Oh, boy, as they fell off the rack. Oh, man. Sometimes that's what it usually do, let me stack it, and then it would fall off. But if our standard is perfection, we don't want to fall, right? We don't want our standard to fall. We want it to be straight. We want it to be true. We want it to be plumb. So think about it like this. What if he fell short? What if Christ fell short? What if he was not tested in all the areas of justice? What if he was not tempted in every area of sin? And what if, and then he wanted to be, would we want him to be our eternal judge? No. One, we'd have a loophole to say, well, you don't know, you don't know. Well, Christ knows. Let me tell you, he knows. And if he what, fell short in an area, the system's going to erode because guess what? His building doesn't go up 400 feet. His building goes up for eternity. And if it can't last under the plumb line, it's going to come crashing down at some point in time. And we don't want that. We want our standard to be tried and true. He set the example for us to live, and so we are going to follow him. So... The system, it would be eroded and be corrupted. We'd have a biased or unjust means. God's system would fall apart. And since Jesus, however, since Jesus achieved the standard, then the sacrifice he left of his life, and so that we might be able to join him, this gives us our living hope. If we have a standard, we know there's a standard out there that we can live by and that we know that we're never going to lift up to that, but something has, someone has. It gives us hope because we now know that he never fell short. And even though he, we do, he invites us uh, to surrender to him and Ask for forgiveness of sin. And that can make us right with God. Isn't that exciting? Aren't you excited about that? I'm pretty excited about that. So how do you know? How can you know what that standard of perfection is? Because, you know, the Bible says it. Yeah, great. But how do we know the Bible is true? How do we know that God's word is what it says it is? What do we, I, I have all these questions, Shane. Well, you got to do the research. I've done the research. I've done some research. I've read other people's research, right? I put it through um, two different ways, really. How there's more. Um, the big one is moral law, okay? If there's a such of things as morals, there has to be a standard for those morals. And if there is no standard then there are no morals. But we see men being convicted of doing right and wrong all the time. So there has to be 
a moral law. And if there's a moral law, there has to be a moral law giver. So who is the moral law giver? Is it me? Am I, can I be my moral law giver? I can't because I've talked to you about this before. If you think it's a good thing to kill and I think it's a good thing to kill, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. Your morals, or maybe I think good thing is to be alive. Your thing is to be to kill. You kill me. Is that going to uh, set my standard? We see that we have a different standard, right? It breaks down. It crumbles. It erodes. It doesn't make sense. Okay, that's taking it to the extreme. Okay, so what if we say society? Society is our standard, right? What's the problem with society? Have we ever seen any societies in the past fall because of their moral decay? How come we don't see Aztecs running around? We don't see Romans. We don't see Greeks. We don't see... Egyptians, because all those have decayed. They've all fallen, right? When Christ leads the church, we have a standard by which to live by as a family. When Christ leads an individual, we have a standard in which to look to imitate to. But then we got to look past the individual to the Savior, right? So I can't save you. Only Jesus Christ can save. Amen? I mean, if we didn't get that one down, then we're... <laughs> he is our hope. He is our living hope. Why do we call him a living hope? Yeah, through his blood. Because he raves again, right? If he didn't come back, we're in trouble. So how can I know? You didn't answer that question, Pastor. I know, I got three reasons. Three, three things you can know. The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, a book. If you're asking these questions, you need to read. Okay, He goes through, he was an investigator reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And he puts Jesus on trial. And he says, if Jesus was the real deal, then he uh, will win his case. Right? He went in that saying, I'm going to prove Jesus wrong once and for all so my wife will shut up because she became a Christian. She was changing, and he didn't like it. So he put Jesus on trial. And there's a movie, if you want to see the movie as well, about Lee. And it gets to the end of the book, and it doesn't tell you if he becomes a Christian or not because he wants you to make that decision. Look at the evidence it's not about me. It's about your decision. And are you going to surrender to the Lord or not? He does become a Christian, by the way. Another one, another big atheist, huge, very smart, very convincing, became a Christian when he put Jesus to the test. He put it to the test via the moral law that we talked about before. Lee Strobel looks at the facts. He looks at, he looks at the um, more code just a little bit, but that's more the case for faith. That's a follow-up book. Uh, the more um, he looks, at, was Jesus crazy? Jesus said he was God. Anybody that claims that they're God better be able to back up what they say, or else they're crazy, right? Was Jesus crazy? No, he could back up what he said. Was Jesus um, schizophrenic? 
because he does these things. He, he goes through a lot of these different things. And no, we find out that Jesus was who he said he was, and he knew who he said he was. And he goes through the evidence. Was Jesus real? Did Jesus really walk the earth? These are things that, that goes through in the case for Christ. The second one is Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And that one goes over the moral code. If there's a moral code, then there has to be a moral code giver. If there's a moral code giver, it has to be bigger than the society. It has to be. It has to be. There has to be a God. It points to a God. That's mere Christianity. It's a little tougher read, but it's worth it. And the last one, if you want to find a good website to go to, go to josh.org. J O S H dot org. And that's. Um, shoot, what's his last name? Josh McDowell. <laughs> yes, Josh McDowell's website. And he is another guy that put Jesus to the test, went through the evidence, and found out that Jesus was true as well. And he has a lot of that evidence-based um, things on his website. Here's another thing. Here's another personal test. This is what I did when I was young. Okay? Try to match the standard. It shouldn't be that hard. I mean, Jesus did it. That was my arrogant 12-year-old self. Oh, boy. So I'm going to go sinless for a day. I'm just going to do that. Lord, I'm going to do that. I put him to the test. And if you really want to put yourself to a test, spend a day with someone, and at the end of the day, ask them if you sin while you're with them. According to what standard, you're going to have to figure that out. Right? Um, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it for an hour. Because realizing that I'm putting God to that kind of test, even if he allows me to uh, be my own God, which would break the first commandment. Um, so if I just eliminate the God commandments and try to do just right living in my head, I still couldn't do it. If you think you can do it for a day, try it for a week. Can you make the standard, or have you fallen short of perfection? And we need somebody. Ask the Lord to reveal himself to you. When you begin to understand how big God is, we start to understand the judgment we are under. We cannot get to heaven on our own. We are in trouble. Then we come to realize that we, that we can't get out of this on our own, and we begin to see the depravity of our situation, the hopelessness but Christ gives us living hope. He defeated death, he defeated sin, and he can be our resurrection, our life, and we can get to the Father through him. When it's revealed to us we are sinners doomed for the grave, we can experience the hope of salvation when God's promises are presented to us. So let's look at God's promises. That's the second point. God's promises justice to Adam and Eve. If you look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 15, it says, when he cursed, curses the serpent, it says, I will cause hostility between the serpent and the woman, so between Satan and Eve, and, I, and between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head, or he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Who brings this about, Christ Jesus does. Christ Jesus brings it about. He's the one that rescues us. We know that God can be trusted 
in what he says and what he does because of how he has fulfilled his promises in the past. This gives us our confidence to hope in the Lord. In other words, we haven't seen our salvation fulfilled all the way. Right? We still hope for perfection in ourselves. We do not see it in this world because we see this battle waging. We can have moments of perfection because Christ is working in us, cleaning our sin, getting us back into relationship with him. But we put our trust in God's word that he will complete, be complete, that we will be completed like he said. Yet we're constantly reminded of a fallen world because of trials and problems of this world. Is there an end in sight? Should I keep going? Where will I get the strength to continue on? Well, I do all this and I'll just be disappointed. I'll get through all this and I'll just be disappointed. But scripture goes through each one of those questions in Romans chapter 5, 3 through 5. It says, We can rejoice too when we run into the problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And the character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God's loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Praise God for that. God's gift of the Holy Spirit stokes up in us the hope to continue on. His Spirit gives us the strength and power and gives us the evidence that he is there. Have you ever thought about that? The Holy Spirit is evidence that God is real. How do I know? How can I experience the power of the Holy Spirit? You walk in faith. When you walk in faith, through these trials and tribulations, God will develop that hope. God will develop that character, and His Holy Spirit will shine brightly in our lives. When we receive this gift of the Holy Spirit by God's grace, we know that we are adopted into a kingdom as co-heirs with Christ. Do we deserve to be co-heirs with Christ? No. There's no reason for God to save us unless he wants to have a relationship with us, which we know he does through his word. So what is he willing to do for you and for me to get that relationship. Was Jesus not good enough for God? You ever thought about that? Well, I want more. That's not what it was about. God desired to have relationship with us so we would worship him, so we would understand that we need salvation through him. And as we come to him, how far is he willing to go? That's why the son was there. He was going all the way. I'm going, I promised you from the beginning of time when sin entered the world that you would be able to defeat sin and death. Man would be able to. 
but I'm going to become man to defeat it for you. That covenant at the very beginning, God fulfilled his half of the covenant and he fulfilled our half of the covenant when he became man to rescue us from this present evil age. That's the kind of God I serve. Isn't that exciting? Wow. God rescued me through his rescue plan. Our hope of salvation, it sounds like this, folks. In Romans chapter 8, verses 23 through 25, it says, And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of our future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Okay? We groan. It says we groan. Why, Lord? Why am I going through this trial? Why am I here? Why do I have to deal with the pain, the suffering, and the loss? Why, Lord? We want to know. I want to know. Sometimes we don't get to know. But the Holy Spirit is a foretaste of the glory to come. When God answers prayers that we've been fighting for, for a long time. When God lifts us up and restores us when we don't deserve it. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to say, that's a little bit of heaven. And if you want more, I got a whole spoonful. You think about this like honey. It's the world, God's word is in the Old Testament is attributed like honey. And it says, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? It's like tasting a little bit of honey. How many, how many sugar factories they had back when David walked the earth? Not too many, right? So honey was like sugar, right? And so when they tasted that, like, ooh, yeah, I want, I, I want more. I, want, I need more of that. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's pretty amazing. Let's continue on. It says, we too wait e- with eager hope for the day God will give us our full rights as adopted children. Do we have full rights as adopted children now? Not quite. When we die and our spirit goes to heaven, if we've accepted him, if we surrendered to him, and we say, Lord, you're in control of my life, I'm not then we get to go to heaven kind of thing. Then become his adopted children, and including the new bodies he has promised us. We are given this hope when we were saved. If we had already had something, then we don't need to hope for it. I love that version of uh, the new living. If I already had something, why do we hope for it? When you're kids, do you hope for presents at Christmas? You know they were there last year, and they were the year there for that. But we hope that we might get what we want for Christmas this year again, right? We're suckers for hope, right? I am. You, you want to see this pastor ball? You put on a, um, a movie about hope. Uh, one, of, one of the best, um, oh, what's that guitar movie? Yes. I'll ball at the beginning of August rush, and I won't stop till I get to the end because that kid's full of hope. He's like, but I got to find my mom and dad. It's like, yeah. Now, I'm not saying it's family friendly, but uh, it's full of hope, and it's a very 
much an inspiration to me. If we find our hope, but if we look forward to something that we don't yet have, we wait patiently and we wait confidently. How can we have confidence in this hope that we don't have? Because our God is perfect. Our God met the standard. And we can trust in him and his word. How? How do we know? Because he's fulfilled his promises to the Israelites. He's fulfilled his promises to the church. He has filled his, promise, his promises through giving his son to die on the cross and rose and defeated death again. We can have that assurance that he's done what he's done in the past. He will do what he's going to do in the future. That's the faith we have. Do we know? Have we seen heaven? How many people here have seen, seen heaven? I have not seen heaven myself. I have a confident hope that it's going to be there. I've never seen it. It's, that's called faith, people. When we build on that hope, it becomes faith. I won't see heaven until after I die. You won't see heaven until after you die if you surrender to the Lord. Right? There's that one little phrase there. I keep bringing that up. You notice that? If you surrender to the Lord. If you listen and obey his commandments, well, what do we got to do? Um, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. It's a pretty important one. And then if we listen and obey the rest of his commandments, we walk in faith. Okay? Where is our confidence placed? Is it placed in ourselves, in our own works, in our own goodness, or is it the power of the resurrection and the Holy Spirit. For me, I know my goodness is not good enough, so I'm going to press on to the Lord. How can we display this confident hope? By being vocal about our hope, where our hope comes from. You know, we like to go to the St. Francis of Assisi uh, phrase, um, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, Use words, right? That's a good, good phrase. Um, I think it works great for people that are, are servant-minded. But in a world that's fallen to where it is, we need to set a standard. We need to set a standard that comes from this hope and this faith that we have in Christ Jesus. And we got to tell the world what we live by, and then we live it out. It's great to use words or uh, use actions to back up the words that you've already said. It's St. Francis did a lot of preaching too. He did a lot of service as well. And those two working together was his testimony so he could say something like that. So be vocal about our confidence and where it comes from. Are, you, are your trials and suffering for your faith? Are you going through those things for your faith? James says, consider it pure joy. Why? Why would I consider it pure joy? Because it's an indicator that you are saved. The Holy Spirit's working in you and Satan's battling against you. He doesn't want you to succeed. He wants you to fail. And so he is putting trials in your life. Christ says, I will take those trials, and I will refine you. I will make you who 
God wants you to be. And the Holy Spirit is an indicator of life in heaven. What about regular trials and sufferings? Well, there come, these are some of Satan's most powerful tools. Satan was so tempted by, uh, by trials and suffering that he knew Jesus, if Jesus died and defeated death, he was going to lose, right? But he was so tempted by the suffering, seeing the Son of God suffer, that he put him through the worst suffering man could imagine and the trials of a lifetime to see maybe if he could break him, but he didn't. And so he created his own destruction through his own temptation. Do you see that? That's crazy. Somebody pointed that out to me. And I was like, whoa, that was so crazy. We cannot stand Satan, Satan's tools, his, these sufferings, these trials, they cannot stand against the act of faith. So I would encourage you to share your trials so that all can pray for them. Not only will they bolster your faith, and that you have a family of believers coming alongside you to pray for them. But also, we can rejoice in the glorious ending. We can also mourn when, the sat- when sin wins sometimes. Because is it always happy endings in the church? No. Sometimes cancer wins, right? Sometimes the trials win. Does God know that? Yeah, he knows that too. He knows when the end, our end is. I would encourage you to share your, in your trials so that they will be a testimony for your faith in Christ Jesus. If, as you go through the trials and you're dealing with this, you share, I'm going through this right now. I couldn't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. I would fall short. Who gets the glory in that statement? The Holy Spirit does, right? Not me. That's perfect. That's how it should be. Right? When somebody comes up to me, I can't believe, you're doing so great. I, you're, oh, you look so good. Well, praise Jesus, because I didn't have anything to do with it. Right? I put in the work, but he's the one that gave me the motivation to do it. And so ultimately, he deserves the praise. I would encourage you to share in your trials, to encourage others who may be going through them in the future. Maybe you're Loss today will be encouragement for somebody's success down the road. Because I always think of, oh, um, the hard ones. Why'd that child have to die? He was an innocent child. Why'd he have to die? We don't know all the answers. I, I, I can't answer that question all the time. But I can trust God that he's going to make it right and that he's going to be able to use that situation to help somebody else down the road. The only reason why I know that child may not have made it is because of sin is in the world and it's dark and it's evil and he, Satan loves for us to suffer. But God is opposite. God is life. God wants. He longs for life. And God's given us his Christmas gift. The gift of his son. He gives the foundation of what of which we can stand. This is the last point, and it comes into Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. This is the promise that he gives to Mary. 
Isn't it great that he lets her know that she's going to be pregnant? Uh, how did this happen? I don't know. No, he sends an angel. This is going to happen. This is part of my plan. You're going to be persecuted. Everybody's going to think that you're an adulterer. Everybody's going to grow up, and Jesus was going to grow up as, I'm going to say it in church, a bastard child, because that's what he would be looked at, right? And that's, there, there will always be that taint. You're Jesus. It's not only, we know who you are, Jesus and Nazareth. It's, oh, we know who you are. We know your, what your mom did. We know where you came from. You're lucky Joseph took you in because if he didn't, your name would be trash and mud. Guess what? Jesus was okay with that. If he can be okay with that, can't I? He always gave glory to God. He never kept it for himself. Never. It's amazing. He was, he was God and he didn't keep the glory. Check this out. Verse 26, in the, in the sixth month, Elizabeth's pregnancy, so we just learned about John the Baptist's pregnancy. Um, Elizabeth is John's mom. God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. God, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forevermore, like we read this morning, saying this morning, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel said, replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Mary has become pregnant in her old age and people used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Who knew that Mary was a virgin? The person that delivered that baby would know that Mary was a virgin, right? Absolutely, without question. Who delivered that baby? There was, um, most likely it was delivered in Bethlehem, what was raised in Bethlehem, the sacrificial lambs for all of Israel. They were handled with the greatest amount of care. Was there any better place for Mary to give birth to Jesus? Probably not, in my opinion. Right? And all of those midwives or whoever was there would have known that Mary was a virgin, for sure. And the miracle's happening. God gave Mary a promise. You're going to be the mother of the Savior of the world. How can this be I'm a virgin? 
Remember the promise, the promise I gave to a wicked, evil king, Ahab. Ahaz, sorry with a Z. From Isaiah 7, 14. All right then, this is God's prophet getting upset with the king. If you won't ask for a sign, I will give you a sign. All right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And God has come to be with us. God's gift to us is his son, the baby born to die, a baby that would conquer the power of death and sin. Satan tries to snuff him out. But God wouldn't have it. Matthew 2.13 says, After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee from Egypt the child and his mo- with the child and his mother. The angel said, Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the king or for the child to kill him. There was a lot of innocent children that died that day. God could have warned all of them, but he chose to warn the one that was going to be the savior of the world because God had a plan, and he wasn't going to let Satan interfere with that plan. The one thing that stands out to me this year as we celebrate Christmas, I see confidence. I have a confidence in God's plan, and I can see it working the process as he wanted it to. God wants his son to be born right then, during that time. And God is not willing to allow his son to be defeated before he could fight sin and death. And so he pulls out and he rescues the one baby. And fight Jesus did. He fought every temptation, every sin we have fallen victim to. He did not. In his perfection, he did not gloat. He did not say, look what I've done but he's rescued us. He took our place, he took our sin, and he became the payment, and that's called the atonement for our sin. It was a mighty load that only a perfect sacrifice could bear the weight. Why? That we might have a way back to the Heavenly Father. He did it for you and I that we might be with him, Emmanuel, God with us us. God desires a relationship with you. He has desires a relationship with myself. How does this affect me? Well, once we know that God died for us, we have a decision to make. Are we going to live for him? That starts with surrender. It continues with service because we are saved and we choose to serve and it ends. Oh, wait a minute, friends. It never ends because we're eternal beings. God wants to be with us forever. He wants us to experience the joy of the Lord for eternity. God with us means that he is not going anywhere. I would encourage you to read the Christmas story this year with fresh eyes. This is the beginning of the end of God's plan for the world. Invite someone to hear the story with you at church. Pray that God's word and God's spirit will transform you into a follower of Jesus who loves God, loves people, and makes disciples, and makes more disciples ad infinitum. 
Christ Jesus is our living hope and strength. Let's conclude with Isaiah chapter 40. I changed two words. I changed Israel and Jerusalem to Christian and church. Uh, just to bring it home just a little bit more. Um, so let's, I just wanted to warn you that that's going to happen. Look up to the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each other each by name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Every single night, they're still there, aren't they? Oh, Christian, how can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, church, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you not heard? Have you not never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and the strength to the powerless. Even the young will become weak and tired. Young men will fall in exhaustion. But not my God. No. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Because he is my sustainer in those trials. He is my joy in the suffering. He is the one that is going to rescue me. And it, when it's revealed to us that we are doomed by our sins, doomed for the grave, we can experience the hope of salvation when God's promises are presented to us on this Christmas gift that we have today. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for the love that you have. Lord, I pray that you would put into us um, a desire to know Jesus and to love him. Lord, we pray that you would watch over those who will be traveling this weekend. We pray that you would um, just keep them safe. Lord, we pray for those who are uh, starting new beginnings in their journey to facing the suffering and that you would restore them to you. Lord, we pray for those that are on their journey and that need to keep going. We pray for endurance, long-suffering as they go. And Lord, we pray for those who are joyful, that they would be encouragement to one another. Lord, I pray that we would be looking to others and how can we express that joy? How can we express that understanding by um, coming alongside you in a, in a mighty way and resting in your uh, love, your kindness, and that we would surrender to you in a mighty way. Guide and direct us, please protect us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.